Yeah, yeah, okay. 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 Don't forget Griffith and Right, I'm going to <coughs> Seymour. Uh, we have a particular fascination with Seymour Stern, uh, the Griffith historian. Mm -hmm. You knew Stern. Very well, yes. And what kind of man was he? Well, of course, when I, first, when I first met him, I guess it would be in the early 1950s, and uh, he was sort of an unofficial arm of a little film society I joined, uh, which eventually became the Theodore Huff Memorial Film Society when uh, Herman and Seymour Stern and the others moved out of it. But I knew Seymour very well in that period. And it was at a time when the Museum of Modern Art was showing quite a lot of the Griffith films, fairly regularly filmed like Orphans of the Storm and Isn't Life Wonderful, many of which I hadn't seen up until that time. And it was a tremendous pleasure for me to go to the museum with Seymour and sort of see it with him and get his reactions after and have him comment on it. And I learned a tremendous amount from Seymour. He was already becoming just a little bit erratic. I think I caught him just in time. I had about five or six really good years with him. Uh, and then he became a little, as you know, a little, a little strange. I mean, no less interesting, but not quite as reliable historically. But I learned a tremendous amount from Seymour, and I got along very. I mean, we all at one time or another go through a period in which Seymour would suddenly figure you were an enemy rather than a friend, without explaining why. Rather like W. C. Fields, and I think there was one period where he suddenly, suddenly um, felt I'd joined the enemy camp because I, I think one line of one program note contradicted something that he had once said. So that for a little while we were restrained, but we got together again. We had no, no problems at all. I, I love Seymour. He he really had a running battle with the museum. Uh well, I think he had a running battle with anybody. I mean, he really felt that uh, Griffith was sort of his, his personal property. And I could understand why at the time, when there was so little interest in film history, and he devoted his whole life to this man and his work, and he wanted to get his book out to be the definitive work, and I can see why he didn't like so many of these. Listen up, and I'll tell a story About an artist growing old Some would try for fame and glory Others aren't so bold And everyone and friends and family Saying, hey, go get a job Why do you only do that only? Why are you so hard? And we don't really like what you do We don't think anyone ever will We think you have This problem's made you ill The artist walks among the flowers 
Ask me how, why, why do do Tell me good luck and spit on my shoes But I The telephone rings And oh, oh, oh There's nobody there And I'm alone tonight And I feel So a girl on a street corner said, hey, I'm a lonely owner. She looked at me like I'm sort of crowd. Most car pass me by. Everybody curse me one. Found a donut in a surf. Doesn't matter what you eat I send you a bunch of ribs And I won't lie This is all you got Stop coming round me down I don't care for you no more I wish you would all just go
but oh, 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 the telephone rings, and oh, 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 there's nobody there, but oh, 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 the telephone rings, and oh, 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 I'm the only one is there. Bye bye. I took my lucky break and I broke it in two. Put on my worried shoes, my worried shoes. And my shoes took me so many miles and they never wore out.
Professor Everson, are, are you working on any, any current uh, book projects? Well, I'm always working on a couple, but there's so many on the market now. I'm not, and I'm um, very, very busy on other things, so I sort of haven't given myself any deadlines. And I'm doing a follow-up for um, Oxford University Press on the American silent film, but this is to be a survey of European silent film. And of course, it's been done before in individual studies of national cinema, but there are good books on the Swedish film, the French film, the German film, and so on. But this is kind of an overall survey of how they tie in one with the other, how one is influenced by the other. And also, I want to do what I did in the American silent film, and not just concentrate on the Eisensteins and the Podovkins and the big people, but also the, the bread and butter films and the films which really reflect the, you know, the commercial industry of that country and not just the great classics. And there's a, you know, there's a whole new history of film just in that area alone. So I've been spending a lot of time in European archives and cinematics looking at films of that type and filling in gaps and sort of working on it slowly. And uh, Oxford have been very good at not, not pressuring me on that. Have you considered uh, a follow-up in the sense of a chronological follow-up dealing with the early sound period? No, because initially um, Andrew Saris was to do that at the same time. I was working on the silent film and he was working on sound film. And uh, his first, then it became a very ambitious project. His sound film volume became two volumes. And what's happened to it, I don't know. I mean, I know he was working very hard on it, and so I screened him a lot of films, and I know he saw a lot of films elsewhere. Uh, so it was a, he was very, very dedicated to that project. And what happened to the book, I have no idea. But I know Oxford um, went through a period of temporarily losing interest in film books, because maybe two or three didn't sell that well. I'm getting closer to the fire. Turn my back on silly dreams. And I'm walking down that lonely road in my heavy load. I didn't bother to bring it, and the sun shines down on me. I feel like I deserve it. to 
He also uh, was very involved in MGM, uh, working for Thalberg. Right. And, and uh, I didn't know a great deal about that. I know he'd done it. Mm -hmm. But somehow, when we talked, it was much more about uh, his universal period when he worked with Ray Taylor on the serials like The Indians Are Coming, about his work with Preston Sturges. But somehow, he never talked very much, to me at least, about the Thalberg period, other than that he didn't like him. What was his, his Preston Sturgis period? He was involved with him at California? Yeah, he was a story uh, editor for Sturgis. Uh, I gather he, re he read properties and made treatments of them and uh, may have worked on the scripts with Sturgis. That I don't know, but he certainly selected properties or brought properties to Sturgis' attention.
think your thoughts so rationally Then you might just see it's not so funny Pray tell The wishing well will get you eventually Beware What you are is what you're doing there Love is lingering with you on its mind And it's giving you a moment so kind Believe your broken heart could heal so dramatically And with a little luck You could see a better way again real soon As we stare into each other's eyes And each year just goes so fast And goodbye, look around What your friends are telling you So free, be gone It's all over as the sun does set once more if you think that love has a chance with you Maybe hope can shine a light so true Just smile, you can win the victory so sweet And know, just another day for you and me And tomorrow, no more sorrow You can call her if you want to, there's a new way, why won't you try it? Heaven sent it, and you'll believe it now. Love will save you now. will save you now Love will save you now 
that life is like a cow, but I can't see how. Now here we are on this planet, taking everything for granted. But I think you got onto something, don't let go. Why do you think his, his book never did get published? I think probably largely due to his own fault. I mean, A was a massive tome, and to get it published at all would be an achievement. And I know that when he did have tentative publishers lined up, he would insist on going down and checking the proofs and adding commas and saying, that's wrong, you've got to do this in a different style of paper and a different style of lettering. And considering the um, virtually uh, non-existent commercial income from a book of that type at that particular time, I mean, he was lucky to get the thing published at all, and I think his own sort of I wouldn't say arrogance, but his own um, possessiveness and insistence on doing it his way or not at all may have killed the project off. How do you see Seymour Stern's place in, in film history? Well, I think it's very important. I think, you know, one, one has to, um, I mean, as, as the Griffith historian, his work is, is absolutely invaluable uh, because it was done at the time. I mean, t today we can analyze Griffith and look back on it and dissect it and, you know, compare it with other things. And we certainly know, know more about film history now than we did then. But at the same time, Stern was there all the time. He was able to uh, reflect, you know, current trends of thought and current reactions. He talked about things with Griffith, and that kind of contact you you, you can't duplicate. And I think he's in, in incredibly valuable. I just, you know, the, my, the only reservation I have is that people should know in what period he wrote certain things, and to realize that toward the end of his life he became less reliable as a historian, although no less interesting as a, as a writer. Much of his work really ha hasn't been republished, or, or really is only available in going back to the original periodicals. Right, Many and I imagine his correspondence too, because we didn't correspond that much. We had no need to, because we were right on top of each other. But when he moved out to the coast, we corresponded quite a bit. His letters were so vigorous and virile and full of punch, and it was just like talking to the man.
room Don't give up until True love will find you in the end This is a promise with a catch Only if you're looking will it find you Cause true love is searching too How can it recognize you Unless you step out into the light Don't be sad, I know you will Don't give up until True love finds you in me Just who was your friend So don't be sad I know you will Don't give up until True love finds you in me About his attack on the Museum of Modern Art, I'm curious who's, about the Who's Stern's? Stern's attack. And because Eileen Bowser, the only thing I ever got from her was his attacks against the museum caused it to become easier for people to get films. And uh, Griffith sued the museum. Is it right to talk about that? It's difficult because A, I don't know all the facts. And I've been involved in the, with, the, with the museum for many, many years. And there have been many occasions when I would have loved to attack them myself because of not so much of what they did, but because of their, their, method of, their, their method of working and their sort of rather possessiveness and their keeping away of students from getting access to certain material. Um, so I've had a great many occasions to be really annoyed at the museum and in some of the choices they made and some of their methods of film preservation. But on the other hand, what they've done is so important and so, you know, uh, so useful that it's, it's kind of carping. I mean, everybody, everybody has different priorities. And if I were running the museum myself, I'm sure I would do totally different things, which would annoy different people in different ways. Stern never got involved with working with the museum. He was always he helped Iris Barry do yes. the, the notes on Biograph, but he never helped with any of the productions. He was always in the audience, but never right. participated. Yeah. And then he had uh, Jay Leiter fired from the museum. Right. Yeah. Now the things that Seymour did that were. Uh, certainly arguable. As he was to, no uh, saint. No, I mean, he was a gutsy guy, and I loved him, but he did things that were, I hate to use the word despicable, but they, they, they were certainly very unsympathetic at times, and the lighter cases were very much one of them. 
because Jay Lyder is a lovely guy and a very sympathetic guy and the kind of guy that you would think that Seymour would love and work with rather than against. Yeah, but he did one thing he did. He made enemies with all his friends. Yeah. He's somewhere alone alone. Right. Yeah. He played the game. I pulled up a coffee 
on the radio. And the record on the radio kept skipping, skipping. Said I pulled up a coffin. I pulled up a coffin. I pulled up a coffin. Man. I said, I got this problem about this coffin. He said, here's some cough drops. I said, please don't make such dumb jokes. This is art. Or is it art? Or is it smart? Or is it just my